When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome everybody, it's the weekend voting show and we're going to be talking lots of boxing, although there's not been a lot of boxing on the weekend that we're in at the moment, but there is a lot of speculation, a lot of fights being lined up and I'm really looking forward and excited to be talking about them with you all today. So I'm not going to open the phone lines just yet, we'll get them open in the next 5-10 minutes, just giving me the opportunity to be able to obviously have a little chat about what's on today's show. So if you've been following the page, you've probably seen yesterday I was down in Bolton at the shopping centre for Kieran Farrell's Risk versus Reward public workout, which was a pretty good turnout. It's decent that he's putting these workouts on in areas like Bolton, you know, for small hall shows that are being taken to the next level. It's really, really good what he's doing for his fighters. And, you know, I really enjoyed being a part of that yesterday. So we're going to be looking at a few things on today's show. We're going to be talking about the announcement, which we were talking about last week. It's finally here. AJ versus Miller has been finally confirmed for the 1st of June, as discussed on last week's episode. We've got James DeGale and Chris Eubank Jr., plus their undercard to talk about coming up. Um, we've also got some other speculative heavyweight fights that I wanted to talk about. Got a big list, as you can see on the post, if you're following the post. Some real great fights to, to, to talk about there and to line up. So we've got lots, lots to talk about on today's episode. I'm really excited to, to get it going. And the first one last week was, was brilliant. Great reaction to everything that's been going down. Some great guests on the show. 
So really excited to get this one up and running today. Obviously, if you hear any little notifications, it's because we're doing it via my laptop. So I can't avoid any of them little notifications coming up. So apologies if you do hear them. But, you know, it's great. I'm really happy to be back on. And, and obviously, the first thing I wanted to discuss was AJ Miller, really. And obviously, just give my brief thoughts on that before we open the phone lines and as I was saying to, to, to everybody last week who asked about this fight I did say it was going to be announced for the 1st of June in New York City and we finally got it but I'm not too sure if people are uh, a little bit disappointed with it because a lot of people were reminding him of the little poll he put out after his Povetkin fight about who they'd want to see him fight next and Wilder came out on top of that vote but yeah we, here we are with you know Jarrell Miller in June so I like to hear what people's thoughts are going to be on this. It's going to be quite interesting to see what people are thinking, what people want to air across on the air tonight. It'll be interesting to hear that because I tell you what, it's not the fight we want to see, but it's the fight we're going to get. And it's difficult because he's tied up at the moment with all the other fighters that are seemingly going to be going head to head, which we'll talk about on the episode today. I really do think that I would have liked to have seen the fight that everybody wants to see, which is AJ against either Fury or AJ against Wilder, but it, it isn't going to happen because them two are tied up. As we know, the WBC have ordered that rematch to happen. So we ain't going to get that anytime soon. So I think it's best that we kind of consider what Jarrell Miller can actually do. Can he do anything? Can he shock the world? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, he doesn't look like your stereotypical heavyweight. He looks way over overweight. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It should be good, to be honest with you. I think he will come to fight and he will come to, to give it his all. And I think we'll, we really will get a, a decent fight for as long as it lasts. But some of the other heavyweight fights we're going to go through on the episode today. So I'm just going to load up obviously the phone line, get the Skype up and running and get the phone line open for someone to ring in uh, and we'll, we'll see what everybody's thoughts are on the situation. I think what we've got at the moment is a fantastic heavyweight scene. I mean, you can see in the post that I've set up for, for the phone-in show today that you've got Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury 2, Dillian White, Dominic Brazil, Usyk and Povetkin has been spoke about this week, Parker and Chisora, and Luis Ortiz and Christian Hammer has been set up as well. So some great fights, some great fights there to discuss on the episode today. And I, I really want to get into to, to people's minds and find out what they're thinking about it. And obviously we've got stuff to talk about with DeGail and Eubank coming up this week as well. So it should be an interesting take on on what people think is going to happen in that particular fight but let's not forget another heavyweight fight on the undercard we've got joe joyce versus bermaine stiverne on that undercard as well so that's going to be a great fight so uh, just to let everybody know i've opened the phone lines now so if anybody wants to ring in you can ring in now it's all open to go i'm looking forward to getting people's thoughts on the situation so you know the number it's on there in the screen in front of you it's 0161818 Get yourself on, get giving me your thoughts. I can see a couple of people have joined uh, in the Facebook live chat. So give us give us your thoughts. Let us know what's going on. Uh, Hamid, the man, Wayne Cole, played two guys that was on last week. I want to know your thoughts. Give us a call. Uh, Elliot just joined as well. Elliot, I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, some of these big heavyweight fights that are being proposed for 2019. And we want to talk about 
other fights that have happened over the weekend. Leo Santa Cruz picked up the victory last night and he's talking about three potential opponents for this year. We've got Gary Russell Jr. We've got Cal Frampton 3, which is quite interesting. And then we've also got a fight with Oscar Valdez as well. These are three names that he, he's looking for. So I'll be interested to see what people's thoughts are. Uh, on that, and they say, well, there's so much news coming out this week. Just reading through the the social media stuff now, they're still talking about Kel Brook's next fight with Jesse Vargas. Apparently, that's being proposed for now. Well, let's see who we've got on the line first. You've come through to the weekend phoning show. Caller, what's your name? Where you calling from? Hi, Sean. It's Elliot here, calling from London. Hi, Elliot. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, obviously, for coming back on. Um, I just wanted to get your your thoughts, uh, first of all, on that announcement of AJ versus Miller. It finally happened. Yeah, we're finally there. It's finally, <laughs> it's finally been confirmed. Um, that's just, I think for me, it's just a relief that Joshua's got a, a fight date and a venue and uh, an opponent as well, obviously, and that's kind of rumours of Joshua Wilder, Joshua Fury, Joshua White can be put to bed for now. But um but yeah, now that it's been confirmed, um I am actually look I'm actually looking forward to it. I think Miller's a tough a tough opponent, obviously undefeated, can really punch, is a big, big, massive, massive guy. Um so yeah, I actually think it's gonna be a tough tough fight for Joshua what are, what are your thoughts well I was just saying then before I, I opened the phone line up to, to let people ring in about my thoughts on it and I know I, I have been a bit critical of this this fight being made but then I've got to really sit back and think about where else can Joshua go at this moment in time realistically who else is there out there that he can actually get in the ring with that's not probably going to be already tied up with a fight and you've got to look at like what I was just talking about before which is some of the heavyweight fights which are proposed so with Wilder and Fury seemingly tied up now we've got the likes of White and Brazil looking to face off you've got Usyk potentially facing Povetkin you've got Parker and Chisora and then you've got Ortiz and, and Christian Hammer and I mean obviously he's already beaten Parker he's already beaten Povetkin too soon for Usyk to fight Joshua he's already beaten Brazil and White so realistically where, where do you see him going other than Miller at this moment in time yeah exactly and I think that yeah I think we want to see like, Miller is a Miller is a I think I'd, some people might might disagree with that, but I actually think I'm not sure if you if you could name more than kind of four or five heavyweights that you think would beat Miller. I'd like to see. I think he's going to be a very tough man for anybody to beat, and I think I don't actually see Joshua knocking him out. I think Joshua might might have to win this one on points. Personally, I think it's going to be it's going to be really really difficult to to knock someone out of of that size and with somebody of that with that level of skill as well. Um, but no, I, I, I agree with you. I think considering Wilder Fury and White, those fights couldn't be made. Um, yeah, I think Miller's next up next on the list. And look, it's, it's with having the same, having the same promoter. Um, these things, these things happen in boxing. Those certain fights are going to be made because they have the two fights of the same promoter. Whereas if say Frank Warren was Gerald Miller's promoter, then, Think we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now, um, but no, still, still looking forward to it. But I think myself and a lot of other people are perhaps thinking of what is next. As well, you know, I'm happy that Joshua's had a had a fight date um, confirmed, but I'm also thinking what's going to happen with the World of Fury rematch. Is he going to fight the winner of that? Is he going to fight more than once in 2019? There's still there's still lots more questions. There's still lots more to talk about with Joshua. 
Yeah, there is, and and it does feel like people are starting to starting to hate on him and just a little bit because he, he's not yeah. in a position to be able to go in the ring with people they want to see him fight, as opposed to who he's getting put up against. And you've got to give him credit for the fact that he's just beating everybody that is put in front of him. And he, he can only do so much himself. I mean, people always speculate about who it, who it is who makes them decisions behind the scenes, and does he really want them fights, or or, or is it just his team picking the fights at the right times? We really don't know. We re- we probably really will never know unless we're close enough to that team. So it's a difficult one to say. Yeah. But I think for me, it's as much as I've not really wanted to see this fight given the fact that there is nothing else out there for him to, to yeah. do as a heavyweight, we've, we've got to see whether or not Jarrell Miller, even though he's not done anything to justify this opportunity for me, mm. whether whether he is he is there, he is at that level, has he got something that we haven't seen yet? He looks like a very durable heavyweight, even though he doesn't look in the greatest of shape. And I, I think he could, I think you're right, I think he could see a 12-round fight here. I don't know whether people will agree or whether they think AJ will just eventually mm. stop him round six, seven or eight, mm. but he looks like a very durable heavyweight. I think um, he says it himself. He's quite confident, quite brash and confident. And he does say himself that he feels like he will be able to go all the way through athletically. And, and fair enough. And I think the guy was a former uh, American football player of some kind from, from what I remember reading about him as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of the reasons why, why I don't mind this fight. It's Cause I, it, I just feel like Joshua hasn't faced someone of that of that sort of size as well, and I feel like it is maybe a bit something a little bit new for for Joshua. I think um, Josh, I think it's Jarrell Miller's cave percentage is is very high. Um, and he's, Joshua's faced punches before, but he's not like, for example, um, Brazil isn't you know can punch, but I don't think he can punch as hard as Miller. In 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 my opinion, there's other examples as well, like Eric Molina doesn't punch punch as hard as as Miller so that's one thing I'm looking forward to if Joshua does get hit it will be interesting because I do think Miller can can really punch if you look at some of the guys he stopped it is actually quite it is actually quite impressive um yeah but as I say it's just nice to have something to to focus on with Joshua and I think it also means that other British fighters can get a bit more attention because it feels like the last two three months we've just been talking about who Joshua's going to fight it means that some fighters get spoken about less we're talking more about who's Joshua going to fight rather than the fight that the fight that a British fighter had a couple of weeks ago or the fight that is happening next weekend so it's just nice that perhaps other fighters are going to get going to get more attention over the next couple of months yeah absolutely I agree and uh, if you if you look at that list that I've put into the post of the fights that are being proposed to come up, to come up this year I know Deontay Wilder Tyson mm-hmm. Fury 2 is, is is pretty much a given and I was reading today the mm-hmm. speculation of that being announced this week so that will be interesting to see if we get that confirmation this week although the, the manager of Deontay Wilder is saying that that isn't going to happen that announcement isn't going to happen this week so far so that'll be interesting <laughs> to see we, we know how it goes down they're always saying oh we're not going to hear anything this week, but in reality, they just, they just want to kind of keep yeah. it under wraps as, as 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 much as they can, really, until that they, they really want to officially announce it. So there's that. I was just talking about White and Brazil, Usyk Povetkin, which Usyk Povetkin probably stands out to me as as a fight that I, I wasn't really. I, I don't know if I was expecting him to to be thrown in with someone like Povetkin at this stage. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, um, it's, it's exciting because it's Usyk's first heavyweight fight in his, I think maybe was a top heavyweight. I'm not convinced he is anymore. I think he's is he 39 and 40 years old now. Got stopped in his last fight. So I think it's the right... If you're Usyk's trainer or his manager or his promoter, it's the right fight. But it's not one that excites me as much. It's not one that I can't see Usyk losing that fight. I really can't. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't think... Just, he wasn't going to kind of, as you say, jump in straight with Joshua or Spain with Fury or someone like that. It was, it's his first fight at the weight. Um, but we'll see, yeah. But I'm probably more thinking about what he's going to do after after Fetkin if he, if, he, if he comes through that, which I think he will. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great fight. It's a great fight for him. I mean, we've seen what he's done to the Cruiserweight division. We've seen how he's cleaned up the Cruiserweight division. Mm. And we've seen the way he, he looks like potentially... Uh, a, a, a real great opponent for Anthony Joshua in the future, and that's what they're talking about. Well, that's what they're saying the long-term kind of plan is, is to kind of get him into the heavyweight division, get him a few great wins under his belt in the heavyweight division, and then put him in against a mega fight with, with someone like Anthony Joshua. That's where yeah. I think Eddie Hearn kind of sees it going, with him having that, obviously, kind of promotional side uh, tied in a little bit with Usyk as well. I think the, the probable pl- plan for me would be You'd get him maybe in his. I think he's got three fights under Hearn, uh, and I think maybe the third fight is the one mm. that maybe they'll try and push for it, which you could probably say would be next year, sometime twenty twenty. We'd expect to see something like that. But I'm, I am I am impressed the fact that they've gone in with Povetkin as the first opponent for for heavyweight because I think I don't know if it was you who said it on last week's show that. He is actually, he was very dangerous for the first few rounds when he fought Joshua in September. And I said the same, predicting that fight, I felt yeah. like I felt like it was going to be a fight where he'd be dangerous for a few rounds, but then eventually the younger, fresher man would take over. Yeah, yeah, like, no, you, yeah, that's 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 a good point. I just, um, I feel like Povetkin did look, yeah, did look very threatening. I just can't help but think, at his age, that was a, when when you're at the age of 39, um, you know, nine, ten months is a long time in boxing, and that's going to be the distance between the Usyk fight and the Joshua fight. And I just after being stopped the way he was, I can't help but think I don't think he's going. I don't. I'm not sure he's going to come back to the same fight that was in those first three or four rounds against Joshua. That's just my opinion, but I hope I hope I'm wrong. Like I really hope I'm wrong. Then it could be a really stiff test for for Usyk. I just personally don't think he will have too much trouble with Povetkin. That's just that's just my opinion. I, I'm not sure. I, I just yeah, I don't think he's going to have um, have too much difficulty difficulty dealing with him from one best. Fair enough. Uh, I I can understand that point, and I think based on what we've seen of him so far, I think it's a valid point and uh, valid comment to make. To be honest with you, um, there. Let's move away from the heavyweight end just for a second. While I've got you on earlier, and I know yeah. this week is a fight that people are looking forward to, and I think it's more. Uh, an intriguing fight is probably the right word to use for it. It's James DeGale versus Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, it's a very intriguing fight because mm. people are very quick to sort of say, is this a fight where if DeGale loses it, he essentially sends him into the the word retirement comes into comes into play with that. But for Eubank Jr., if he took on the loss, people will say, well, he could probably come again. He's still young enough, whereas like DeGale's been in some really hard fights over the past 18 months. And I genuinely don't know whether or not he can roll back the years to, to, to what we've seen with him before. I don't know whether 
you know, I think he might be Chris Eubank Jr., but I don't know. It's hard. It's, I'm, I'm still on the fence a little bit, to be honest. I've not, I've not made an official yeah, prediction. Yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do you think about it? No, it's, tough. it's a tough one. Gonna the prediction or not? But it's a um, no. It's a tough one to call. But everyone I speak to says it depends on whether the girl's on the decline on the decline or not. Um, and a lot of people do think he's on the do think he's on the decline. Whereas I actually disagree with that. I think he's just not been that motivated in his last three or four fights, and just therefore hasn't performed that well against Cabell Truax, who's not not a top ten super middleweight. No disrespect to him. He's just, I think the girl's sort of fight who's just who's just not he's just not up for those sort of fights and isn't going to perform that well. Whereas against someone like Eubank Jr., who he really doesn't like in at the O2 in London, um, in a big ITV box office fight, I think he will. I think he will turn up. Um, and he's had tough fights, but he's what 33 years old, so he's not he's not that old. And I just think when it comes down to boxing skill, he is levels above Eubank, and I think that will tell on the night. So I'm actually go- I'm going with a DeGale, DeGale point of victory. I am um, I'm, I'm a Eubank fan as well, and he's going to be a handful. And it's going to be a tough fight. I just, just think that DeGale will. I think that he will outbox him. I think it's it's just as it's as simple as that. I don't think DeGale's on the decline just yet. I think he's got two or three fights just left in him. Which yeah, maybe that's that. You know, I think I'm sure there's a lot of people that disagree with me. That's that's my opinion going going into this one. I am sort of swayed on the side of James DeGale because I've obviously a year ago today, funnily enough, as you know, it was Eubank versus Groves, and obviously Groves schooled him. Yeah. Uh, when a lot of people yeah. actually thought that might be the end of Groves and Eubank might take over that mantelpiece, and how you know were a lot of them people. Mm. And I think, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think I was one of them people that actually thought Eubank might might beat him but I didn't realise he would go in there with only one game plan and obviously as a result of that one game plan he was he was outboxed completely through that fight but I think with DeGale like you said he has got some far superior boxing skill to, to Chris Eubank Jr. I just think that Chris Eubank Jr. is, is, is a wasted talent and I've said this a few times before because I do feel mm. like he's a guy that with the right people around him that he, he he could be a, a, a world level fighter, and people are saying that yeah, okay, he's won the IBO title, which is a very very lightly regarded world title, and not one of your big four. So, do you cast him as a world class fighter? I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's world class fighters, but it's hard to it's hard to say whether you'd actually put him at world class level or whether you'd put him just below. What would you What would you say to that? Um, he has world-class attributes, but I think overall, at the moment, I don't think you can call him, you can quite call him world-class, but I feel a bit harsh saying that because there are some things he's very good at. He's got great power. He's got a great chin, but I just think when you've got certain elements of your game that are as poor as his, i.e. just footwork, unfortunately, just head movement, things like that, you can't consider someone like that to be a a top-class fighter, but saying that, I I do believe he could win a legitimate world title. I think if you put him in with the with a fighter with the world champion that's made for him, and if he catches someone at the right time, he could become world world champion. I think that's maybe more likely middleweight than super middleweight. I'm I'm not sure, but um, but um, yeah, I I don't I don't see him as 
as well class, but he's not far off. He's got he's clearly got a lot of talent. Now I respect his his dedication. He's always he's, the one thing about Eubank, he's always in fantastic shape. Whether he's kind of having an eight rounder in Saudi Arabia to keep busy if he's in in a big fight like he'll be next weekend, he's always in fantastic shape. That's something I really I really like about him. But um there's just certain things that I just aren't great about him, which means you can't really consider him to be the top world-class level at the moment, in my opinion. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I suppose I think it's it's something that I've I've questioned myself a few on a few occasions, and I think after seeing him in action on a few separate occasions recently, you know, wait the past eighteen months, I thought to myself, is this guy really going to be a world-level, world-class, world champion fighter? And I don't know whether he will ever do that. And I think if he if he comes out and pulls yeah. out a performance. He pulls out a performance on Saturday night, then maybe people will start to speak differently of him. But mm. we're just going to have to wait and see. At the moment, I'm kind of swaying towards the more experience, being the more trickier fighter in there, and and, and grinding out a points victory over over Eubank Junior. I think that's the way I see it going. But just briefly, then, Elliot, the, your thoughts on the undercard because we've got a couple of fights on there, one of them being Joe Joyce and Bermain Stavern as well. What are you making of that one? Yeah, no, I actually think I actually think it's a really good undercard to be honest, Sean. It's, if you consider that it's not a matchroom show or a Frank Warren show, it's and there's a lot of free agents on the on the card, I actually think it's a really good undercard. Um Joyce Stavern, um looking forward to it. Um it's obviously I think it's George's eighth professional fight. Um, this might be a bit controversial. I've just never really, I've never rated Stavern that highly. I think he's a decent heavyweight. I think he did really well to be, to be a world champion. Um, my just only concern is I think he's boxed one round in about three years, which was against Deontay Wilder, and he looks he didn't look in very good shape for that fight. But we'll see. There's a lot of people saying he's been working very hard in the gym. He's going to be in good shape. He's determined not to lose to someone who's had seven fights. So it could, it could be a good fight. I'm just not a massive fan of, I'm not a massive fan of Stavern. I don't think he's done too much that's impressed me over, over the years. And I think he's 39, 40 years old now as well. Um, so we'll see. I like, I like Joe Joyce, but I can only really see that one going, going one way, and that's kind of a early-ish two, three-round stoppage in, in my opinion. I, I'm not going to disagree on that either. I mean, this is a, it's one of them episodes where you think to yourself, actually, how could I sit here and argue a point of Bermain Stavern's going to be able to do something <laughs> different against Joe Joyce because he's been out for a long period of time. I think it was 20, was it the start of 2017 when he fought Wilder and he in that fight and, you know, for me, he's been out for a very long period of time. Joe Joyce on an absolute role at the moment. And whilst people criticise him for being a guy that might be slow or methodical or whatever you want to call him, he's getting the job done. And he's only going into his eighth professional fight and he's fighting yeah. a former world champion of only two years ago. So for me, that, that, that speaks volumes. And I've been saying this about him for ages. He needs to fight someone decent. If he doesn't, you know, no one's going to take much more interest in his career. And now he's fighting someone the name, I, I'm not saying he's going to be in shape, I'm not saying he's going mm. to be uh, of any great deal on the mm. night, but mm. <laughs> I think I think it'll be a good name on his record for sure. Yeah, no, I I think so. I think I think he'll come through, and I think Joyce um, isn't isn't a young chap himself. I think he's 33 years old, so it's exciting. I think it's going to be a big year for Joyce. I think he's going to be he's going to be calling out calling out a lot of fighters, and hopefully we'll see him in. In, in 
in a big fight. I just um, we'll see. I hope I hope I'm wrong. I don't I don't hate the main Savone. I just don't think he's the fighter that some people some people think he is. And I think you perhaps could see a um could see a really um an early stoppage on Saturday night, and a lot of people might take more more notice of Joe Joyce. Uh, stay under the impression that the main bonus is this great heavyweight when actually perhaps he's not but we'll see we'll see I'm just yeah I think Joe Joyce is going to have an, an, an active year um, and yeah we'll yeah, if he comes through comes through on Saturday night I don't think we'll have to wait too long until we see him in the ring again Is there any other thoughts you've got uh, before we let somebody else get the opportunity to come on the phone? Yeah not not, not too much the only thing I'd say is yeah I think it's a really great undercard next week I think Looking forward to seeing Lee Selby at lightweight. Um, I don't know too much about his about his opponent. I think his record's nineteen and two. But um, yeah, Lee Selby's one of the British fighters. Um, yeah, how would you what do you think about about Lee Selby going back at the lightweight? It's either going to go one or two ways. He's either going to be absolutely brilliant and a move that we've been waiting for for someone like Selby, who's got the talent to do really well, or or it just won't go down as well as what we think it may go down. But I'm more I'm more swaying towards the fact that I think uh, at nine stone nine he's going to be a bit more of a force to be reckoned with, uh, especially if he's not struggling to make that way. Which I've heard for, from one of the guys in his camp, Gavin Gwynn, professional fighter, lightweight. Also, he's he's you know he's he's doing really well at the weight, and this could be a massive a massive impact on the lightweight division domestically and obviously the world scene as well this could be a guy that really could you know if you think about the skills he's got he could do really well against some of the great fighters out there and that's one fighter i do want to see come back and do well and i don't think you know we we got to see the best of him against warrington and obviously warrington was great on that night but Mm. a lightweight will he be a different animal well it remains to be seen but i'm looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to seeing him back at lightweight yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. Obviously, maybe a bit of a surprise to some people. They chose to move up two weights rather than one. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan personally, and I think there's a big, there's lots of domestic clashes out there for him. Um, but no, I, I, I think to make a, a real, a real big impact, um, someone else who's not, <laughs> who's maybe not getting any younger. So I think there's, yeah, I think there's, I don't, I think he's going to be in a rush to get back into into world title contention. So it's, it's exciting, but yeah. Another name I'm look, looking forward to seeing. Cool. Well, Elliot, I'll let you go. Thank you for obviously coming on. I'll see if there's anyone else that wants to give their Great. thoughts on this weekend. And uh, th- thanks again, as always. And have, have a good week and enjoy the fight week for the Gail Eubank. Yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers, Sean. Take care, mate. Thank you. Take care. See you later, Elliot. Cheers, mate. So there you go. That was Elliot Stott. He does work for us for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat. It's great to to have had him on and getting his thoughts. And he was at the show last night at the York Hall, the British Warriors promotion. He said he's seen some great fights there as well. So that was really good. Uh, Really good to get his thoughts on the announcement of AJ and Miller and obviously what his thoughts are on DeGale versus Eubank and that undercard as well. So... The line is free. If you've got the opportunity to give us a call and give us your thoughts on the action that's happened over the past week and also your thoughts on the announcements that have happened over the past week or rumours that are coming up this week, I'll be interested to hear what everybody's got to say. So I'm touching on what Elliot was just saying there about the... The, the, the card next week on ITV box office. That's something we've not really talked about. I mean, people are 
always quick to criticise the fact that pay-per-view, and I'm one of them as well, by the way, I always quick to criticise when a pay-per-view gets made if it doesn't feel like the pay-per-view is justified in terms of the quality that we've got on the card. Now, I'd like to know whether or not people think this is a quality card or not, or is, is it worth paying for? Would you pay for this card this weekend when you've got DeGale versus Eubank Jr. in the main event? You've got Joe Joyce and Bermain Stavern. You've got the return of Lee Selby this weekend at lightweight. So there's three fights on that particular card there straight away. You've got Andre Sterling, 9-0 and light heavyweight on there. You've got Sebastian Eubank, and you've got Chris Congo, 10-0. and So you've got some real good names on there that I think... Does it justify it? Well, I've seen worse pay-per-view cards than that, to be honest. And I think... You've got to, I think you've got to give it a go. It is a good fight. It is a good fight. And the Eubank DeGale fight, I think it's a great fight for boxing and a fight that kind of tells us a lot about both of them and where they are in their careers. And touching on the retirement factor of it, people are very quick to jump on the fact that when you see someone sort of coming to the latter stages of the career or someone that's maybe been in a few hard fights recently and picked up a loss in the, one of them hard fights, then you kind of start to question whether or not they should be carrying on. I mean, I've said this about George Groves. Like, I was glad when he actually made that retirement decision the other week because I thought at the age of 30, he's been in some very difficult fights, very hard fights, and he it achieved his goal of becoming a world champion. Uh, he, he competed in the World Boxing Super Series. So what really else was there for him to do? because I don't think he would have gone on to ever become a unified champion. I think the the, the way he fought wasn't going to allow for that to happen, and he was very unlucky in his in his first fight with, with Froch, and I think that would have been his best chance to become a world champion at, at that point before he beat Tudinov. So it's 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 one of them, it's like with, you look at DeGale and you look at where DeGale's career is at the moment, you think to yourself, has he underachieved? Well, he's won the IBF super middleweight, championship and he beat Andre Durrell to pick up that title back in 2015 he beat Boutte which was a very very close fight and then he had the majority draw with Jack, Badu Jack and then we had Caleb Truax who he lost to, shocking loss against Caleb Truax, a guy that's relatively unknown but he came to fight and he came to give it his all and I think that was the difference in that one, it's like what Elliot was speaking about before he wasn't getting himself up for that fight. And that, that, we'll never know that, but you can kind of read, read in between the lines. Was he a no-name over here? No. Did people know him worldwide? Probably not as much. So as a result of that, you kind of think to yourself, sometimes motivation must be difficult for a fight like that. So then he's come back and he's beat Truax, and obviously he's picked up his IBF title, but which he has now had to vacate. So now we get to this point now where we're at Eubank Jr. and a vacant IBO World Super Middleweight title on the line. And if he loses this fight, does he retire? I don't know. I am I am sort of struggling to, to, to grasp whether or not it would be the right move to make. I mean, he is 33 years of age. Does he need to retire after this? If he loses, but where else does he go? That's that's I suppose that's the question I've got to ask people: is where would you see him going if he lost this fight? That that's the hard part about it all. 
but with Eubank Jr., people say, oh, well, there's an excuse for him all the time. I mean, he's had two losses on his record, one obviously being to Billy Joe Saunders and the second one being to George Groves, in which he, he had only one game plan, which was on this day last year. So he's come back and he's beat JJ McDonough in September last year. Now he's got the fight with James DeGale. So now where do we see him going if he wins? Do we see him potentially challenging one of the champions at Super Mid? It's very difficult. It's a very difficult thing to talk about, if I'm being honest with you, because people have got their opinions on, on where he's at at the moment. And could you honestly see, if Eubank Jr. beat DeGale, could you honestly see him beating someone like Callum Smith? I don't know. I really don't. Th- well, I don't, I don't think he would. That's my answer. But then you've got the other fighters around him where you've got like Rocky Fielding still floating around. Obviously, you'll be looking to come back after a loss to Canelo and you've got Gilberto Ramirez knocking around as well. So you've got a few great fighters there. You've also got obviously Kayla Plant who picked up the IBF title off Uzkatagai in January. So could you see him beating any of them fighters? And that's the question you suppose you've got to kind of ask yourself as a fan. Would he beat any of them? I honestly don't think he would. I don't think he would unless he he was able to completely turn around the way he motivates himself, the team he has behind him for fights. I really don't see how anybody could give him a chance of becoming a world champion against any of the guys that are currently world champions. That's, that's, well, that's my opinion anyway on the situation. Uh, we're talking a little bit like about Lee Selby, uh, obviously returning at lightweight, which is is a great move, I think, for him because it was quite evident in the lead-up to his fight with Josh Warrington that he was struggling to make the weight at times. I'm not using that as an excuse for his loss, but obviously on the night, he was outclassed by a better man. So he's made the decision. He's moving up to fight Omar Douglas, who's 19-2. and two. And I think if you look at his record, the biggest names on there are Edna Cherry, a way past his best Edna Cherry in 2017. Javier Fortuna is on his record as well. May not be known to a lot of the guys that listen to this, but for you wider, more hardcore boxing fans, you probably will know him. But other than that... There's nobody else on his record of note. So this looks like, on paper, this is going to be a relatively straightforward win for Selby. He'll be testing himself at the new weight. He'll be looking to go in against a guy of that weight who's campaigned at that weight for a a long period of time. And whether or not he then can put himself into the lightweight mixture of of fighters that are there. And it's, it's a great mixture of fighters, as we know, domestically. We've got... You know, we've got some of the best out there in the world. So you've got the likes of Cal Frampton. You've got the, uh, not lightweight, sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of um, super <laughs> super featherweight. That's what we were, featherweight, sorry, that we were talking about. Um, going back to, to sort of the lightweight, I mean, domestically, we've got guys like Campbell, Crawler. You know, these are two names straight away you think of domestically for lightweight. And then you've got the bigger names at lightweight, like Yolomachenko. So for, for, for Selby, does he aim to go for big fighters like that? Does he aim to go for a domestic clash with someone like Crawler? Or does he end up going for someone like Campbell? You know, is that where he's trying to aim for with moving up? I mean, he's 32, so he isn't getting any younger either. He's at a stage of his career where you think to yourself, what else can he do? Can he become a double weight world champion? Can he become a world champion at lightweight? It's quite difficult 
quite a difficult one, I think. And I think we'll get to see how good he is when he moves up and finally gets in the ring at lightweight and whether or not he looks destructive or not, or whether he kind of just sort of plods his way through the fight. That'll be interesting. We was touching earlier with Elliot on the Joe Joyce, the Vern fight. And obviously I was giving my thoughts briefly on, on that particular fight. The biggest takeaway factor of this fight happening is it's a great step up on paper for Joe Joyce and he hasn't got any time to waste really at the age of 33. He needs to be pushing on to fight bigger name heavyweights. Now, Stavern, as we know, got absolutely dismantled by Deontay Wilder and has not boxed since. So that's definitely going to play a factor on fight night. And I think we could see a straightforward within three rounds victory here for Joe. But then that result for him would then put him on a a position where he's going to start to get the bigger names. And that's essentially where they want to take him. They need to be pushing for them bigger names now, really. People might say, well, you need to give him a bit more time, but he's 33. He hasn't really got the time on his side to, to do that. You know, you're going to start to athletically, physically start to slow down as you get older. And if you spend another two, three years sat around fighting guys that you can knock out quite easily, then and why? Why do it? I mean, BoxRec have got him ranked 27th in the world. I mean, a win over someone like Stavern, what will that do for him? Well, I think it'll definitely put him up into the top 20 for sure. I think it'll definitely give him a top 20 ranking beating a guy like Stavern. And then I think that's when he needs to start thinking about the other names that are in the division and, and, and the type of fighters that he needs to be going in with. It'll be interesting anyway. It'll be interesting. I think we're going to see an easy three-round blowout here on the weekend coming up. And let's talk about Leo Santa Cruz's performance then last night. So we got Leo Santa Cruz picking up a victory. <clears throat> He's looking to fight, obviously, one of the other featherweights in the division. It was interesting that he spoke about the fact that he wanted to fight Carl Frampton again, which... I wasn't sure that's what he'd want to do, to be honest with you. I, 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 I thought that maybe he would want to move on for someone like Gary Russell again or the Valdez fight, or maybe even Josh Warrington. I think Josh Warrington's definitely stamped his mark on the division now, and he's got his fight with Galahad coming up. So if that, that comes through and he beats Galahad, then he's definitely going to be looking at an Oscar Valdez fight or a Leo Santa Cruz fight. And I think that'll be you know a, a, a great fight for either of them. And it's one that I'm definitely looking forward to. So let's also have a look at what's going on this week. So we've got a Frank Warren show coming up on the 23rd as well, where we've got Sam Bowen now defending his British super featherweight title against Ryan Wheeler. That was after Ronnie Clark pulled out with an industry, uh, in industry injury. I think everybody's seen uh, what had happened to Ronnie Clark, and it was quite, quite a bad injury in one of the discs in his neck. So... I cannot cannot blame the guy for pulling out of that fight. There was no way that was going to happen. Also this week, Derek Chisora deciding to switch trainers and go with David Colwell, which was a very interesting move, a shocking move in a lot of people's eyes because he's left it, I think, very late in his career to go in there with someone like Dave Caldwell as a trainer who's had Tony Bellew for, for a very long period of time and took Tony Bellew to the heights that he got himself up to. So what does Chisora see in Caldwell that he thinks, actually, at this stage of my career, I can 
I can make you can maybe push me to another level. The fight with Parker is supposed to be getting signed, sealed, and delivered very shortly. So, if that happens, is it a case of him training him for this particular fight, giving him the opportunity to to maybe beat Joseph Parker if that's possible, and then puts himself right back around in that sort of B level heavyweight mix because that's that's what it will do. It will put him into the B B level heavyweight mix if he gets that victory, and I think. Well, people will probably say we stick a C in him in big heavyweight fights. If he can deliver the goods and make it competitive in a fight, then what would you rather see? Would you rather see a competitive heavyweight fight or a one-sided heavyweight fight, which is just a waste of people's time and money? Because I know what I'd want to see. I'd want to see the more competitive fight against maybe a guy that's probably a little bit past his best but can still make it competitive that's that's something I would prefer to see than just a one-sided blowout where people are paying twenty pounds to watch it. No, that's not not what I want to see. I'd rather not see that. Thank you very much. So let me move on then, and let's talk about other stuff that's going on in boxing this week. So <laughs> Floyd Mayweather always, always, always seems to come up with some way of making more money by getting in there with somebody who shouldn't be sharing the ring with is now claiming to be returned to the ring for another 10 million dollar three round exhibition fight in japan in july added that this opponent will be a former japanese boxer oh for god's sake honestly honestly what is going on like why are people why are companies promoters, whoever it is, paying him this money. Why are they doing it? Just cut the supply off. The guy doesn't need the money. Why are they doing it? Why are people offering up these fighters that are nowhere near on the same level as Mr. Mayweather and feeding him to the lambs for a guy to go in there and earn that ridiculous amount of money in such a short period of time just to go out there and stop a poor, overmatched Japanese boxer? It's, it's, it's not right. It's, for me, he's starting to disgrace his legacy a little bit, if I'm being honest. And I've never been a guy that's felt like Mayweather is like you one of your top three fighters ever. He's definitely probably going to be pushing for a, maybe a top 10 spot. But if he wants to be, you know, if he wanted to be remembered as a fighter that had a legacy then he's not really doing a great deal about going that way now because he's fighting guys that in exhibition bouts that he shouldn't really be going in the ring with. And I know he's getting paid for it, but he's getting paid handsomely for it as well. But what what does that do to his legacy as a fighter? I mean, although it doesn't go down as an official fight because it's an exhibition, where, where do you see it going? What do you actually see for him? Do you think that's... Do you think that's tarnishing his legacy? Because I certainly think it's tarnishing his legacy. Anyway, I I don't think that what he's doing at the moment is making him look any better. And probably from his perspective, he doesn't really give a shit because actually he's getting paid a hell of a lot of money to do this when it's so much easier just to step in and beat an overmatched fighter. That's what I think anyway. That's my thoughts on the situation. So we've got that that's uh, been announced this week. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, then you've got also this week, Philippe Hergovic signed to Matchroom DAZN roster. That is a very interesting 
signing. He's already beaten the likes of Kevin Johnson, Amir Massour, uh, in seven fights. He's also going to be alongside the likes of Dubois, Tony Yoke, and Nathan Gorman. These are the sort of fighters that he's sort of there and there about, sort of pushing for that world scene past the sort of domestic level. It's a real good signing for Eddie Earn and Matt Dream USA. I think they've really pulled a bit of a coup here because this guy in the next 18 months, is he's definitely going to be a legitimate world heavyweight fighter. And I think we're going to really get to see some of the great fights being made. He's really done well so far in his career. He's really looked great. And I think this is another guy I think I'm looking forward to seeing going forward over the next 18 months as well. So, apparently, I've touched on this earlier on in the, the, the show today, apparently, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, is supposed to be being signed tomorrow. Although, Shelley Finkel, Wilder's manager, is saying, nope, that's not happening. But Frank Warren is saying it is. So, as always, you get your bit of promoter table tennis going on. I'd like to see it announced tomorrow because we know it's going to happen. So let's just get it going. Let's get the hype building for it. People want to see this fight. People are looking forward to seeing the rematch. Let's get it going. I'm really excited to, to get this fight going. And I think it's one thing for sure that this will probably be one of the most anticipated heavyweight matches in a long, long time and rematches. I, I, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'll be honest. I am just genuinely excited for it. I think we really will get to see uh, another epic heavyweight fight between the two of them. So that is supposed to be announced this week as well. Um, we want to look at what's coming up next over the the, the next couple of weeks. So we've got the DeGale Eubank fight coming up this Saturday, but then after that we've got a plethora. Of, of shows coming up over the next few weeks. We've got some great local domestic shows coming up. We've got the 2nd of March, I'm at Kieran Farrell Promotions, Risk versus Reward show in Bolton. We've got that one. We've got VIP. I've got a show on, I believe, on the 2nd of March and the 9th of March as well. And I think they've got one on the 16th in Oldham. So there's quite a few small shows going locally in the Northwest. There's one going down in Wales with lightweight Gavin Gwynn on there as well. So that'll be uh, another great show to look out for. You've got your Matchroom one on the 23rd. Charlie Edwards defending against Angel Moreno. Well, that's going to be a, a good show with Camacho and a coli on the undercard. So, I'll tell you what, there's some, some real good shows coming up over the next four to five weeks. So, it's be a really, really good to look out for and what's coming up. And I think boxing season is really starting to get underway. So, if you've not already had the opportunity to give us a call, you can do. It's 0161818 It's quite quiet on the line tonight. Nobody nobody appears to want to, to give us a call this weekend. But this is also put on to our BTR Boxing Podcast Podbean account as well. So, obviously, we've got a great following up on there. And it's great to get people that don't always have the opportunity to come onto the live show to give them a bit of a listen to see what's going on. So... Yeah, if, you've, if you're listening on BTR Boxing Podcast's page, give us a ring on the Sunday night. We're, we're going to be on it at 7 o'clock every Sunday. And you can give us a ring on the number shown on the screen on Facebook. But I'll tell it you, it's 0161818-8748 to give us a call to get involved in the show. So it's been, it's been a decent little chat with Elliot, about 15-minute chat with Elliot. Uh, I'm going to go for about another 10 minutes before I call it uh, an episode and a show for this week. 
I've got to admit, it's been a very, very busy weekend for, for me personally. I've been doing the public workout, as I said, and then we've got, obviously, the weekend phone-in show. We've got plenty of stuff coming up for BTR Boxing Podcast as well over the next week. We'll do our official preview for the Eubank DeGale fight this weekend, or DeGale Eubank as it's actually billed with Jordy Neal. He's going to be back on the podcast, going to be talking about that fight. We've got our Legendary Night series as well, which is something that people that listen to this may not have already heard of. So if you've not, get on there and listen to some of the tales that we've done. We've done the tale of Gatti Ward. We've done Carl Zaggy Lacey. We've got Hatton and Zoo lined up. Frotch Groves won, which has recently been voted for on Twitter as well. So there's quite a few great shows coming up uh, in BTR Boxing Podcast. If you've not subscribed to it, you can find us on all the good podcasting apps available to yourself. You can find us on YouTube channel. You can find us on Spotify. Follow us wherever you find us, really. If you just type it in Google, BTR Boxing Podcast, you can choose whichever platform you want to subscribe to us on because we're on everywhere and you'll be able to get to listen to all the other series that we do, like the Ones to Watch series and the Life and Times of. So there's loads of other things there related to obviously our platform here, Eat, Sleep, Boxing, Repeat, that you can get involved with. So it's been a uh, an epic sort of few weeks that we've got coming up, as I've said earlier, and I know I'm sort of repeating myself a little bit, but I'm really excited to see what, what the future is going to hold for the heavyweight division in particular. And I know I've banged on about this a lot recently. It's because I am genuinely excited about where we're actually going to go with it with all the speculative heavyweight fights that are lined up for this week uh, this year sorry then you you really really want to get involved and give your thoughts on it and you've got like i said earlier wilder versus fury 2 supposed to be being announced tomorrow dealing white dominant in brazil doing talks to get that signed up for alexander Usyk, alexander pavetkin that would be a very interesting fight for Usyk's first fight. A dangerous Povetkin for the first few rounds? Yeah, definitely. Definitely will give Usyk problems for the first couple of rounds. You've got Joseph Parker, Derek Chisora, and then you've got Ortiz. Now, Ortiz's fight, proposal Christian Hammer, is, is probably the worst one of the lot that's been speculated on, to be honest with you. That's not one that I really can say I'm excited to see, but... I suppose it's a means to an end for, for Luis Ortiz. He does need to get himself back in there after his great fight with Deontay Wilder. We really want to see him. We really want to see him getting involved with all the big heavyweights that are out there. People have spoke about him fighting and Joshua. People have spoke about him fighting Tyson Fury, Dillian White. Why have these fights not happened for him? Why is his team not pushing forward for these big fights? It beggars belief, to be honest with you, why these things don't happen. But it's boxing, and sometimes these fights that you want to see happen don't always happen, and that's that's the disappointing part about it all, to be honest. I think with someone like Ortiz, it's rumoured that he's quite a lot older than what his build age is. And is it just the fact that they don't really know where to market him, how to market him anymore, or... Is it just the fact that nobody really wants to get involved with him because he is a very tricky opponent, and we've seen that against Wilder. Wilder was nearly gone in that fight with Ortiz. It's definitely one that I'm, I'm sort of confused over as to why Ortiz has not been pushed forward for one of these big heavyweights. 
it's it, it does beg his belief to be honest with you it really does so <clears throat> i think we've done don't seem to have any more callers for the weekend phoning show if you do want to get involved with the weekend phoning show you can do it every sunday at seven o'clock on eat sleep boxing repeats channel i'll be going live on the channel and i'll be streaming the audio through there and if anybody wants to call it's 0161 818 Four eight. Give us a call. Let us know what your thoughts are. The episode will be done there after this is finished. It will also be on BTR Boxing Podcasts social media pages as well and it will be on the Podbean account on there to get listening to. We've only had Elliot on tonight. Uh, hopefully we'll get some more people on next week. I'm really looking forward to what comes out in this next week. I hope you all enjoy Eubank and De Gale and Selby's return and Joe Joyce. I hope you enjoy it this weekend coming up. If you've got any thoughts, find us on Facebook at ESB Repeat, Eastley Boxing Repeat. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we've got the YouTube channel, find us on there. Look into the podcast, BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter as well. Find us on there too. Uh, and that's it, guys. I've not got nothing else to add for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed listening for the guys that have listened. If you're not listening when it's live and you are picking this up after the fact, then please just drop us a message on each Sleep Boxing Repeats page. Let us know your thoughts. Give us some comments. Be really interested to see whether people have got some different thoughts about the way the fights are going to go. But that's it from me, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll see you next Sunday for another edition of the weekend phone in show. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.